This is the SEO Mindset Podcast with your hosts, Sarah McDowell and Tasmin Sullivan. This podcast is for SEO professionals and each week with the help of our wonderful guests, we discuss the important stuff that actually affects our careers and progression, but sadly often doesn't get talked about. You know, the invaluable soft and interpersonal skills that are often taken for granted, such as the skills we need for listening, time management, communication, and more. We also talk about the big issues that affect us and our careers, such as burnout, imposter syndrome, self-belief, saying no, plus other big issues and obstacles. With this podcast, we want to share knowledge on topics that unlock our listeners' true potential and enhance not only their careers, but all parts of their lives. So are you ready to prioritize your own personal growth and career development? Then let's crack on with this week's episode. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for another episode of the SEO Mindset podcast. This is Tasmin and today we are joined by Leila Kai to talk about a huge topic, one of confidence. Now I first heard Leila speak at the Women in Tech Festival where she spoke so eloquently and passionately about this topic and I remember messaging her straight away, I didn't even leave my seat, I messaged her straight away and said, please come and be a guest on our podcast, so I'm really happy it's finally happening. Now, Layla, I only realised afterwards, um, she has got so many um, strings to her, is that the right word, strings to her bow, bow to her, anyway, you, you get the gist, there's a lot about her, and I'm going to have to start reading rather than just gushing at the moment. <laughs> So she is the founder and director of Diverse Minds UK, um, UK Limited, which aims to create a positively productive workplace for all through training, coaching and consultancy. And the focus is something that I'm really passionate about as well, well-being, mental health, and by understanding our differences, which is fantastic. She's a trained coach mentor, speaker and mediator and she has over 18 years of experience in this area. She delivers training programs and workshops on these issues in higher education and also in the private sector. Um, She also, um, this is a long list Leila, (laughs) she's also host of an award-winning podcast called Diverse Minds Podcast which is a weekly show about mental health and inclusion And on top of all of that, she is a TEDx speaker, her talk being about the connection between race, culture and mental health. So before we get into um, this week's episode, I'm trying to speak as quickly as possible because I want us to have as much time as possible. A quick reminder to our listeners on how they can support the podcast. If you've been enjoying listening to Sarah and myself and you're finding the content useful and would like to support us and head over um, to our Buy Me A Coffee page, the link will be in the show notes and there you can give us a one-off donation um, to support the work that we do. And again, if you want more content, then we also have a newsletter that you can sign up to. Again, the link is in the show notes. So Leila, I try to talk as quickly as possible. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Tasmin. Oh, I'm really, really excited. Um, 
Now, this topic, confidence, I mean, it's huge. We're not going to be able to cover it in 30 minutes. Um, But I'm keen to tackle as much of it as we can, because when we talk about our hurdles and our barriers, often we we use this umbrella term of confidence. You know, don't have the confidence to do it. Mm. What does the word confidence mean to you? And if you're able to just talk a little bit about the link between confidence and mental health. Yeah, really great question, Tasman. Thank you. I think confidence in, in its essence for me, which is what I mentioned at the SEO conference, is sort of faith, um, belief that somehow things will work out. So that's not to say things will be perfect. That's not to say that, you know, these phrases, smash it, nail it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it in one. It doesn't mean that it will be like that. But confidence is about, I'm going to give it a go. Maybe it's not going to be completely amazing. Maybe it will work out. Maybe it will work out in a way that I didn't expect and I will roll with it. um, And I will be able to come out of it um, and have learned something and be enriched and be proud of myself, even if it wasn't quote unquote perfect. And then I think the link with confidence in mental health is, for me, is who in society is allowed to be confident. So, you know, you're, if I can be really cliched, you know, you're a tall, uh, athletic white man of a, you know, so the world's your oyster, this is your system, this is your culture in Britain, you're going to thrive. Um, You know, and and you'll remember I put that Mindy Carling quote up that says, you know, you're so confident, Mindy, but essentially people are saying, well, how, why are you confident? You're a short brown woman who's not stick thin and how have you been able to have access to these spaces? So I think the way in which it manifests on our mental well-being and mental health is that some people get these head starts in life because the system is for them and it suits them so they are confident now we don't know if they're confident or not but it's almost like yeah of course they're going to be confident whereas there are many of us who don't fit or we're not as close to systemic power um and so our mental health is there's got to be a lot of resilience there we will face more hurdles because the system isn't designed for us so of course when we keep facing setbacks it's a systemic thing. It's not to do with us as a person, but it can feel that way. So that's going to erode our confidence and have a negative impact on our mental well-being. So um, it, it, I guess it's about trusting yourself that you can go for it and trust yourself in whether it works out for you or it doesn't. So is it that um, having a lack of confidence erodes your mental health or is it by having a strong mental health you have confidence that's a really interesting question yeah I think it can work it can work both ways and I think the way I would sort of ask listeners and for you had to have a think about it as well if you think about a time when you were most confident it doesn't matter what you were doing whether it was in the professional sphere personal sphere whatever it was maybe you had a really good parenting day um, if you're not a parent maybe you organized a brilliant party if you're thinking about personal sphere and when we feel really confident like yes you know oh I've managed these setbacks I'm get, getting things together okay my child had a tantrum in the supermarket but I dealt with it we feel quite solid and positive in ourselves even if it didn't go to plan and then that builds doesn't it so that we can feel we can, it's almost like the stepping stones when we do that we can keep going up and then I think if we keep having setbacks and then we start to question ourselves and we start to think oh can I really do this and it takes a lot more energy so I think it can go both ways and I think in different stages of our life it will be slightly different I think for example the lockdowns had a really big impact on people's confidence but then some people who felt like oh you know I don't belong or I really hate socializing in this way they're actually their confidence went up because zoom gave them or you know 
any other um, platform gave them confidence to do the things that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, recently I've been thinking a lot more about what is it? Is it the positive mental health? If you deal with that, will you automatically find yourself saying yes to opportunities that you wouldn't have done before, for example? Mm -hmm. Or is it the other way around? But you know, it's, it's sometimes I get get into all of this, all of these tangents. And, you know, you and I met at the SEO um, Women in Tech Festival. The SEO industry is full of really ambitious, hardworking individuals. A lot of growth, you know, emphasis is placed on growth. Um, how common is it for these individuals to have the issue of lack of confidence? I think that's such a great question. And, you know, I was quite uh, new to the SEO world. So that conference was very illuminating and eye-opening for me, not in terms of individuals working really hard and pushing themselves, but just in terms of how... Um I guess, just, well, how diverse in terms of SEO backgrounds, what the work that people were doing um, and the types of individuals that were there and the global approaches. And I think in any industry that's very fast paced and that's based on growth. Um, and of course, with SEO, you're looking at growth so that it can lead to higher profits in most cases. Um, there is a kind of there is a difference, isn't there, between confidence and arrogance as well. So arrogance isn't going to go in there and tell them this and do this and do that. It doesn't necessarily mean that people have the knowledge or that people really believe in it. It can be swagger. It can be a front. It can be a mask. So I think it depends on the individual. I think it also depends on the kind of culture, the country culture that people are from, the individual culture that people have grown up in and how they've created and the culture they live in in that moment, in that day, in that particular period um, so again you know we know from glo many global majority cultures um, you don't you wait for an elder to say well done you don't put yourself forward so that that will resonate I think with many and of course when we say globe when I say global majority that's parts of the world where uh, it's not led by white dominant norms so it's a huge huge swathes and huge culture so I am generalizing I think with white global and white sorry white dominant norms um, and I think with white dominant cultures what you're looking at is, is particularly in, in North America um, is you're looking at people pushing themselves forward and that seemed to be confidence that seemed to be leadership skills so often we feel like we have to mold into this to come across as confident and that people that are quiet and reflective or do things in a different way or like collaboration are not seen as confident so I think it's a mixture of the culture the perception and of course we can all have a crisis if you like of confidence or have times where as I mentioned our confidence will go down that doesn't mean it's not there and we can't find it. And I think it's also interesting how we might perceive ourselves in terms of confidence and how other people might perceive us. Yeah. And, and it is that, um, that, you know, some people use it as a mask, some those, those um, power poses and fist pumping and all of that. And some people rely on it to boost that energy. It, it, you know, I think sometimes we also generalize between the genders and mm. I, you know, being being somebody who grew up very shy. Most people don't believe that I was ever shy, but I definitely was. And I think I probably still am. But with age and experience, you you find a way through, don't you? But um, when I was talking to people at Brighton recently, lots of the young men were saying, you know, we, we struggle Mm -hmm. We struggle with confidence. So it's not just not just the women. Um, again, going back to the SEO industry, there seems to be a 
big bias on skills-based learning as opposed to personal development. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so again, that's very interesting for me. And I can see that having been to the conference, having seen um, some of the ways in which I'm guessing the variety of organizations that were represented there might push their staff to, you know, what's your skill? What's your data analytics? What's this? And just get the job done. Um, and the personal development is in an interesting one too, because of course it has to be done in an accessible format. So um, my understanding is there are potentially a greater number than many other industries of uh, individuals with uh, who identify as neurodivergent. So how we can support them with, um, how we can create an environment that looks at that in context as well as looking at personal development. So I think that's one thing to really think about. Um, and of course, if you know, we know that neurodivergent conditions are on a spectrum, um, and again, how people will view their expertise and then that they could have a very high confidence with their expertise and think but I don't understand the social cues um, and not feel confident there because it's not been explained explicitly for example and that's a very I guess a very uh, simplistic way of explaining it um, but I suppose it's what you know what do you think um, you know to educate me uh, Tasmin the kind of personal development skills do you think are still needed in the area of SEO so um, I guess it's easier to quantify as well if we look at skills training if I send my staff on this I'll understand this data matrix then they can increase here and then we can get we can get more profit for our clients whereas I suppose with personal development skills sometimes they're only introduced when things go wrong or we've got a tribunal or we keep having lots of grievances or we have lots of churn but by that point it's quite far down the line and it's really important impacting the bottom line and then someone sits up and goes oh we best do something about this as opposed to as part of our onboarding process this is the plan we have the skills and the personal development and we have trainers and a culture where skills are embedded into the personal development and vice versa and I think even um, personal development and also um, mental health awareness and mental health um, facilitation so it feels as if mental health is talked about when things are going wrong rather than, you know what, if we put this in place, mm. be more proactive rather than reactive, then we won't have somebody who is close to breaking. Rather, we, we just create an environment where people can be open, people can be honest, people can be themselves, people are taught, you know, this is a way of enhancing your mental health and these are things that will improve your mental health rather than associating it with things have gone wrong. I think, yeah, there are two things with that. I think one of the things I'm really noticing, and I don't know what your sense is, is that many companies are saying, well, Leila, we're kind of done with the training now. We've given everyone an app. And I don't create apps, but, you know, we've given everyone an app and they're fine now. But we know also there's been research that's shown that, yes, people, certain people might dip into the mental health and well-being apps, but actually they want a line manager they can talk to, whether they've got mental ill health, whether they're dealing with personal challenges, you know, whatever it is. And I think there is a sense of, um, I almost feel it's used as a smokescreen. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to do it. And we've got this app. So we know apps have a place. We know they're really useful. Of course, you know, we, we want to use technology, but I don't think it ever replaces that human to human connection. And of course, we don't always know what to do. You know, if someone's grieving and they're looking after a sick child, it's really, really tough. But we can say, I don't know what you're going through. I'm here to listen. Would you like information on resources? What's going to be most useful to you? Would you like to have time off work? Would you like to go down to um, a phased a phased approach? And people say, oh, well, you know, 
know, what about the needs of the business? But the needs of the business are that you need to keep good staff. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yes, it might be a temporary thing. I also think, um, you know, when you asked that question, what was going through my mind was around the systems. So, yes, we want people to be positive and talk, but we also want to think about systems that work for people. So why do people have to um, be completely um red carpet at all times to customers um so of course we need to respect customers of course we want to provide good customer service but that shouldn't be at the detriment of your mental well-being you know this idea of you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first so i think creating boundaries is a really key one so i think um as 2023 was ringing in there were lots of books released on boundaries and it feels like this isn't this is a really big topical issue and it's hard because we're not always taught how to put boundaries down in our personal or our professional lives Um, and of course it does rely on good line managers on a good culture that says you know what these are the parameters they're clear this is what we expect from our staff this is what you can expect from us these are the service level agreements you know breathing documents and guidance that are clear succinct and supportive as opposed to these really convoluted often very complex or non-existent policies about if you get ill dot 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 and I don't of course you need that but like you said we do need to be anticipatory and I bang on about that all the time Um, you know, you don't have to give any company names, but can you give describe a situation where a company's got it really right in terms of personal development training, mental health awareness and training? Yeah, so I think, again, that's a great question and it tends to fluctuate, but there's a um, a very big fashion retail company who've done a lot of work in this area and I helped them to set up their initial mental health training um, and then they've done a, a refresh of it and they're very... Um, they're very keen. I think the only thing I would say is often what happens is with big organizations is the key, the core office staff are employed and paid for by the company, but then lots is outsourced. So the cleaning staff can be outsourced, the catering staff are outsourced. And then it's very challenging because often they're the staff, the outsourced staff that really need the protection and the help and they don't get it. And we saw that at the protests, I think it was last year, 18 months ago, outside Great Ormond Street, where the porters and the cleaning staff who are absolutely essential. And um, in that case, were predominantly from global majority backgrounds, were not given the support they needed. So that's not me being negative but I think that if companies are really going to get it right they need to think holistically and part of the procurement process needs to be how do you support your staff how can we have a partnership on this they are also working in this space they're paid by you obviously we pay you an amount of money to fulfill this contract but we need to think about that support and I just don't think those conversations are being had at all I would never have thought about it unless you raised it that's a really good point because you almost feel like I'm outsourcing it so I don't have any responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm. And I think it's very scary and I think it's dangerous. And I think that actually the the procurement, you know, the, the Equality Act and the previous acts and around procurement was meant to help with that. But I think, sadly, uh, it's been very, very abused. And, you know, many years ago, there was this conversation going on, going on at SOAS. It's public knowledge. It was in the press. I'm not saying anything I shouldn't and at LSE. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative about those universities. But again, you know, there were key issues that students and many staff felt shouldn't be happening. And I guess now after lockdown and the ways we're working now, there's more and more that has, is being delegated all around yeah. the world, more and more outsourcing yeah. that takes place. Yeah, That's a really yeah, interesting absolutely. way of looking at it. I've never thought about it. 
Well, we have um, definitely covered the questions, but taken the conversation in all sorts of different tangents. We're going to take a little break now, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about um, you know the the inner game of confidence and also about imposter syndrome, which is talked about a lot in the industry. Hello, it's Sarah here. Thanks for listening to the SEO Mindset podcast. If you enjoy what me and Tasman do and you want to support us, there are many different ways that you can do just that. You can give us a one-off donation over on our Buy Me A Coffee page. There'll be a link in the show notes, but the URL is the seomindset.co.uk forward slash coffee. You can also sign up to our newsletter. Again, link in the show notes or go to the seomindset.co.uk forward slash newsletter. And by signing up, you can keep up to date with the latest news and updates from me, Tasmin, and the podcast. We promise we'll never spam you and you can, of course, unsubscribe at any time. This season is sponsored by Bright Local, the all-in-one local SEO platform that helps businesses and agencies drive traffic and leads from local search. For those new to local SEO, or even if you're a seasoned pro, Bright Local also offers a wealth of free interactive courses via its academy. Learn from industry experts such as Claire Carlisle, Greg Gifford, Nikki Mosier, on topics spanning local link building, keyword research, Google business profile optimization, and many more. Boost your confidence, master the field, and become a certified professional. SEO Mindset podcast listeners can take advantage of an exclusive offer. Sign up for a free 14-day Bright Local trial at the seomindset.co.uk forward slash Bright Local and receive $75 in citation builder credits when you go on to take up a subscription at the end of your trial. T's and C's and further information again at the seomindset.co.uk forward slash Bright Local or follow the link in the show notes. So welcome back everyone. Today I am talking to Layla about confidence and in the first part we talked about what confidence meant and confidence within the SEO industry and also about personal development and um, other skills-based learnings including mental health. So Layla, the next question I want to ask you is you, you did a talk at Women in Tech Fest on confidence. And there were lots of slides, there were background slides, there was, you know, talk about um, how it impacts um, different communities. And then from memory, there was one slide that talked about the inner work, the the self-belief, the inner chatter. And I remember at the time thinking, that's a huge topic just on, on one slide. I feel personally that when we're talking about confidence, it is, you know, go and learn this new skill or, you know, go and put on an outfit that makes you feel good. And the older I get and the more I I talk about this topic and learn about this topic, there's, there's a balance in it. There's the inner game and then there's the outer game. But the inner game isn't something we, I feel, we talk a lot about even less people actually want to do it. 
because it's hard. What are your thoughts on it? How, you know, why don't we do that work? Why don't we talk about it? Because, you know, using your sensories, you look at, you know, your hearing, your sight, your smell, everything is about outside. And then from a young age, we're told, oh, don't do that. What will they say? What will they think? You're conditioned to look at people's body language. You adjust your behavior. But we don't really get talk about talk about looking within. And that's mm-hmm. that's where the key is, I feel. Mm. So I think it's, it's actually, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because uh, I think doing any kind of inner work can be very painful and it can bring up a lot of things. And we often, more than anything and it's the same with anti-racism or you know when you're addressing your own racism um it's very very uncomfortable and so we don't like to be uncomfortable because it doesn't many of us don't like to feel uncomfortable because especially if you're not used to feeling uncomfortable you don't want to do it so it's easier to put on an outfit and I do really believe in power posing but it's part of a bigger picture you know to do that power pose to um do some um, you know have some mantras up on your wall or whatever you know that's easier to do and I think one of the reasons is that people find it very difficult is it can bring up feelings of shame and no one wants to feel ashamed of themselves or it brings up the feelings of shame that we might have in really deep inside to the surface and then what do you do with that once it's there Um, and I don't think that you know, that's the aim of confidence work. But I think anytime we delve deeper into ourselves, that, that can be what happens. And so when people get criticized at work, it, it's it's the criticism at work can, you know, it can be constructive feedback. But if it is criticism, if the person, going back to the personal development question, doesn't have the skills to deliver that feedback in a constructive way, there's shame, there's guilt, there's a lot of pain, and we don't really know how to deal with it. Um, and we have, again, we have our personal culture, our team culture and our organizational culture and they all overlap and we don't talk about them explicitly so how I think for people it's really hard to almost find the vocabulary to do that Um, and to really sort of make the time to do it as well because I think once we start digging um, we also can't necessarily do it on our own so yes we can use podcasts yes we can use self-help books but often we need to take the time to find people that can walk alongside us whether that's a coach a therapist a counselor um, you know any mode that works for you and that's hard it's hard it takes time to find the right people and if we're so busy uh, we're so busy trying to achieve and do work because that's how we show show our social value no one can see the deep work that I do really or if they see it they'll see it down the line um then that can be a challenge. And also we're taught very subtly and implicitly, and again, this depends on your personal culture, um, that this is a waste of your time. You should be out there achieving and earning money. What is this nonsense? Like I should just be able to suck it up and deal with it. Like, why do I feel bad? Uh, No one else seems to feel bad. Um, So I think there's almost a lot of, um, I don't even think it's, I don't think you can accept before you do the work, but there's a lot of recognition that this is going to be really tough and who are the people that you want to come on this journey with you? And you may not know who it is. So how do you make the time to find them? And then once you do that, how are you going to deal with the blips in the road? Um, and yes, an app might, a mental health app might help with that, but it's it's much, much bigger and it's much more than that. Yeah, I agree. It's not something that you can do just with a book or just with an app or a podcast. And I, I totally, totally get everything you've said. Having having spent the last 15-ish years doing the inner work, and it's because, you know, it went through a divorce. I was lucky enough to have um, a very knowledgeable um, uncle, my dad's brother, who's a psychiatrist, who helped me on this journey. Yes, it was painful, but and 
But now I can say that I, it's almost like I live every day with um, like a sports commentator with me, yeah, but, but not telling me what I've done, but t- walking me through everything. And it just, I, I was talking to my husband who said, you know, the same that you're saying, it's painful. I said, yes, but once you get used to it, mm. it's so empowering but you've got to do the work. And um, and I feel that by just pushing it under the carpet, ignoring it, there is so much potential in everyone that isn't unlocked because of that resistance to do that inner work. And we were also talking about, weren't we, Tasman, before we started recording, just how negative thoughts can make you physically sick we know this there's research on it yeah. you know dr gabor yeah. mate um dr vessel van der Kolk t- talks about you know how trauma can really create a lot of physical illness in the body um, and i'm not saying it's easy to deal with i'm not blaming anyone for having physical illness but we know that the, the impacts are just the negative impacts are so great and yeah. conversely of course if we start doing it it's initially very very painful but the payoff is huge in terms of mental and physical outcomes So I've been following Dr. Joe Dispenza a lot recently, um, and he's one saying of um, you've got to think higher than you feel. Mm. So when I wake up in the morning, it is, you know, working on your own, in your own business, which is very young. There are days when I wake up and think, how am I going to solve this problem? But it is, I have to force myself, Mm -hmm. literally force myself to say, right, I need to think higher than I'm actually feeling right now. Because if I do, I will feel better. If I feel better, I will um, do better and I will act differently. Um, And he talks about walking meditation, Mm. where you become psychologically, you become the person that has the thriving business or whatever it is that you want to do. I have a lake near our house. Um, so it's a public lake, it's not my lake, I keep on calling it my lake. <laughs> and I walk around it thinking the thoughts of that person. So, you know, for me, because it has had such a huge positive impact, when I see other people struggling, I feel like saying, you know, I, I, it can be better, it really can be. And like you said, it's your thoughts mm-hmm. that are key. Um, so yeah, it, it is a tough one. Another tough one then is imposter syndrome. So many people in the SEO industry talk about imposter syndrome and how it impacts their confidence. And I know you have particular spin on this. It'd be really good to hear your thoughts. Yeah, this demon of imposter syndrome. And I, there's so much. So the original research was done by Clance and Amos. I think it was in 1978. It was between 1973 and 1978. I can't remember when the actual paper was published now. And it was done on very high achieving Euro-American women, um, predominantly in kind of academic spheres, but not completely. Um, and it was around these Euro-American women who felt like they were going to be found out that they didn't have the right to be somewhere um, that, and, and it was, they were very high achieving. Now, I'm not saying imposter syndrome doesn't exist for some people, but I think this kind of pathology, and I mentioned this, didn't I? I said, it's not a pathology, it's a feeling. And it's very different too. We all feel uncomfortable. We all have doubts. We all think, can I do this? That doesn't mean 
you and it was called imposter phenomenon okay that's the other thing it was called the original research paper was called imposter phenomenon it is not a syndrome it is not something you can take tablets for um but it, you know we will all feel uncomfortable in certain contexts so you know if you put me in a a, a tech startup boardroom with um predominantly white men um dressed in gray suits, I am going to feel uncomfortable because I, especially now having my business, I am not in those environments. Does that mean I have a, for me personally, I don't have imposter syndrome. I feel a bit like yucky. I will have a sinking feeling in my tummy. I won't necessarily want to be there. But if I'm there to talk about my expert area, I will do it. It doesn't mean I feel the most energized and um, uplifted by it. Maybe by the end of it, I'll feel better probably because it's putting me in an anxious position for a moment. But um, yes, but that doesn't mean I have imposter syndrome. I think the problem is it's become a commercial industry, imposter syndrome. Oh, we have imposter syndrome. Here's a workbook. Here's a thing. Here's this. Here's that. Here's a an app. Here's this. And I just feel like all women do not have this and we shouldn't have it. Um, and the research, researchers never wanted it to be like this. Um, but that does I'm not saying that doesn't exist it doesn't exist as a real thing for many people I understand that and it will affect women more than men because of patriarchy not because there's anything um specifically quote unquote wrong with women I, I really want to be clear about that but because of patriarchy and how women are made to feel less than in pretty much all cultures um so yes I do have a take on it and I think it's to acknowledge when do I feel uncomfortable when do I feel overwhelmed when do I feel anxious and it's probably quite a lot because that's a human experience. And what are the techniques I'd like to use versus, oh, my God, I'm an imposter. Uh, I feel like a fraud. I'm going to be tapped on the shoulder. And if that is you and, that, and you think, you know, Layla's talking rubbish. I do have that. I acknowledge that. And it's going back to can your employer help you? Who can help you? What would you like to do? What's going to make you feel better and more in control? And again, you can try and do some of it on your own, but you probably need someone to support you with it who really knows what they're talking about and has a research based background because there are far too many people claiming they are, they are coaches without proper qualifications which worries me because you can actually do a lot more damage than you can good saying oh you've got imposter syndrome you've got imposter syndrome to make money and that's what makes me very angry <laughs> so a lot that you said there so one it's acknowledging that we have those feelings and they are feelings they're not us and mm-hmm. um, and and in an industry such as seo where it is high thriving it is um progressive learning striving forward every time you try and do something you've never done before you're going to feel those things because it's part of growth and also there is a power in the the words that we use so saying i have imposter syndrome when it possibly could be the natural feeling of anxiety and overwhelm that you will get in certain situations makes it very powerful and makes Mm. yourself a lot weaker you, you, you end up feeling that you're you're weaker. So our choice of words is critical in, in many situations. Mm, and I just and, think it's this, sorry, sorry, Tasmin. No, no, carry on. It's just this sense that we should all have, there really is a thing about we should all have it. And, um, you know, I talked about it in the, in the at the conference, and I don't know if you've read the HBR paper, the Harvard Business Review paper, with two global majority, you know, Rushika uh, Tulshan and Jodi Ann Burry, and they talk about, again, it was done in the States, but it was global majority, women of color, they said, uh, was the terminology they use, that we don't actually experience that, and that's why I call it frustration syndrome. It's like, I'm really, I know I can do the job, why am I not given the opportunity? Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be different for different people, it's going to depend on your, again, how close you are to systemic advantage, or how, you know, how 
how much advantage you have or disadvantage you have, that's all going to impact it. Um, impact the sensations and feelings that we have who has the right to be in which spaces who normally gets seen are people seen more than they want to be seen because of course that can create this sensation of imposter phenomenon um but yeah i i just think it's there's too too much prescribing of this fake syndrome because it serves a commercial purpose yeah. um, in my eyes I, i've just seen <laughs> way too much of it <laughs> that's really interesting way of looking at it you know what, I knew the time would go fast today and indeed it has gone fast. So sadly, we have run out of time. But, you know, thank you so much for your insights. But before we say goodbye, a couple of um, last minute questions. If you were to leave our listeners with one piece of advice or information, what would that be? So I often talk about this, don't I? Uh, which is you have done amazing things, you are doing amazing things, and you will go on to do even more amazing things. So please make a list of them and remember them. So that could be replastering your home, that could be, you know, um, changing the light bulb in your car headlights. You know, those are amazing things because they they may not be in our daily skill sets, especially for an SEO professional. For some of you, it might be. Make a note of everything and look at that list and remember you've done it before, you can do it again. It may not, there will be hurdles but have trust that the process might flex it might change but it will work out in the end somehow and make sure that you have the right people around you for that support because we can't do everything on our own we're actually not designed to do everything on our own no that's uh, i certainly can't change a light in the in a, what was it did you say in, the car in your, your headlights yeah your car headlight <laughs> <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> Uh, or I have never done that. Doesn't mean I will oh, never do that. Yes, and if exactly. I'm presented with the opportunity, I will give it my all. <laughs> um, and lastly, if, um, well, not lastly, I'll have one more question after this. We've started to ask our guests that if they were to give a shout out to someone in the SEO industry, who would it be? So for you, who would it be? So, yeah, so from my knowledge, my limited knowledge of the SEO industry, it would be my fellow speakers at the conference, but in particular, um, the organizer of the conference, who is Arij Abu Ali, who is a phenomenal woman and person. And, um, you know, when she stood up there and she said, I'm giving 10% of the recording profits to the Syria, Turkey earthquake. I mean, that for me was just massive leadership. Well, I, I don't think you'll find many people disagreeing with that, that <laughs> choice. Um, lastly, then, this is the last question. I'll let you go. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Of course, we'll put all of the links in the show notes. Yeah, thank you, Tasmin. So it's diverseminds.co.uk is my website. It's at Diverse Minds UK on Facebook and Twitter. And it's uh, at Diverse Minds Podcast on Instagram. And you can find me using my name, L-E-Y-L-A, Turkish spelling, O-K-H-A-I at uh, LinkedIn. So really love to connect with people, hear from you. And uh, yeah, let get in touch. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I wanted to say thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the SEO Mindset podcast. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you'd like to support us, then head over to um, our Buy Me A Coffee page. The link is in the show notes where you can give us a one-off donation. And also, if you enjoyed the content and you'd like to sign up to the new newsletter, there is also a link to the show notes. And um, Leila, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.